Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. This is season number two, and we are going to dive back into a verse-by-verse edition with none other than Rick Maynard. What's up, Rick Maynard? Same old stuff. All right. Season number two, the expectations are higher than ever before. So hopefully you got something a little extra now. And you're putting a, you know, <laughs> uh, the nice thing, it's been a couple of weeks off and I haven't had to read my Bible since, you know, since we podcasted last time. Well, round of applause for you, Rick Maynard, for doing a good job. Season one, uh, did you remember how many ver- uh, episodes you did? I didn't look specifically how many you banked in season I, one. I didn't look at it either. But you did win the perception award perception for the grace yes. point daily awards season number one your wife also won an award most listened to podcast yeah she's what been was kind of the home like with. after yeah. the events of she was so prideful walking around <laughs> you know how she is she's so we're gonna start reading in the tabloids there's marital issues right, now between right. rick and stella award show mm-hmm. drama who's unfolding. the greatest among you <laughs> We pray that won't happen, Rick. But yeah, I don't think so. Thank you for your knowledge, wisdom, and insight on season one of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. And part of what we do is we want to help you get in the Word each and every day. So verse by verse is just simply where we go through the Word verse by verse each and every week. And join us, join along with us, get in the Word yourself, and we encourage you to do that. We also, we're adding a wrinkle today to the verse by verse edition. We have a very special guest today, Greg Wall. Alden, what's up, Greg? Hey, Jeremiah, how you doing? Welcome. Round of applause for you joining the Grace Point Daily Podcast. You are a podcaster yourself. You have a couple different podcasts that you're doing right now. The first one is Voice in the Modern Wilderness. Give us, your, give us a description of what that one is. A Voice in the Modern Wilderness is a uh, kind of like a biblical approach to you know things going on in our society, you know issues that we see in our, our culture, and you know people are looking for answers. Why this? Why this? And you know, you just try and give them the biblical answer to what they, they're looking for. Those answers they're looking for in, in the uh, in the, in those uh, in that arena, and also the goal. Like my two goals are to you know get a, a spark a a national revival in our in land and, and lead people to Jesus because Jesus is really the answer to what we're having in our culture today. And you have how many episodes right now? On I'm up to twenty one. Twenty one. Wow! And you got wow. some great stuff there. You're diving deep on that one too, as well. Some really. Uh, shall we say, controversial topics in, in the context of the world, not to Christianity, talking about some of those hot button issues, really diving deep into some stuff. So check out Voice in the Modern Wilderness. It's basically available on any podcast platform, uh, specifically on the Anchor platform, but you can listen to it anywhere. And then secondly, you have a podcast called Rave from the Man Cave. Yeah, <laughs> it's more like a little lighthearted comedy uh, uh Sorry, I stuttered. <laughs> got a lighthearted comedy, just opinion type stuff. You got Billy Bob from Arkansas yeah. has an appearance on there. <laughs> yeah, Billy Bob. I mean, this character up in episode two. He's like the redneck history mechanic. Okay. He lives well, on. If you got Billy Bob from Arkansas, you might as well get Ricky Bobby from Southern Missouri on yeah, there as well. Be, he might be a relative. You never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I have to ask Hill Billy Bob next time he comes on the show. Are you related to Ricky Bobby? He probably is. Probably yeah. my cousin. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, check that one out. That's a lighthearted fun. I know Rick, you'll love both of those podcasts actually. So as you're working there doing your construction stuff, check out Voice in the Modern Wilderness mm-hmm. and Rave from the Man Cave. All right. That's enough of that. Let's get in the word. Rick. Okay. Okay. Well, I try to keep track of where we're at and it's been a couple of weeks. We just got busy and then the change of season 
uh, not uh, the actual season, the change of season on the podcast. Yes. Uh, we've just kind of missed a couple here, so we'll try to get back in it. And, you know, it's pretty amazing to me today because my, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about how it's difficult to do this class because you're just talking to one person and not a whole class. But, you know, now it's double today. I'm talking to two yep. people yeah. instead of one. So, man, <laughs> the, the uh, responsibility is great now. But anyway, First Kings chapter 4, verse 33. And uh, as usual, we're starting in the middle of a story again. That's kind of the way we're picking up a story. But it's just been talking about um, Solomon's wisdom. And we all know, anybody that knows anything about the word, uh, they talk about Solomon. That is the number one thing they think of is Solomon's wisdom and asking for wisdom and wanting that kind of wisdom. So part of this is still just kind of the description of that. It talked about in the previous verses about all the Proverbs and uh, the Psalms and songs and all the things that he did. But um, in verse 33, it says, He described plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also taught about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. So, uh, you know, part of Solomon was... um, wisdom and part of it's just knowledge i mean the fact that god uh, granted him the knowledge to to know about all these things or taught him or told him in his sleep i don't know how it all uh, played out but it, it kind of reminds me of the guy that we all know that you know we're envious of that he can read an article and he just knows everything about it you know and i think that's probably the way solomon was he was the kind of guy that just you know, God spoke something to him or he read something that somebody else had written and all of a sudden, you know, he just knows about it. Mm-hmm. And people realize that kind of knowledge. So I don't know that how much studying he did and how much of it was just given, but I think it was a lot of uh, God-given. And there's a writer from the 10th century. His name was Suidas, S-U-I-D-A-S. And he says, Uh, that Solomon wrote a book of medicine for all diseases, which was fixed to the entrance of the temple, which Hezekiah took away because sick people applied to that for the cure of their disorders and neglected to pray to God. And I thought, you know, it's amazing that with his knowledge, even in the medical field, that he had the cure for diseases and to the extent that they posted that on the temple and people could come to the temple and uh, and look at those things. And, I, you know, I look at some of these things. Sometimes I, I talk about some ancient writer or something like that. I try to look at these things like, um, you know, you can say anything. You can say, well, this old writer said that he did this or he did that. But uh, Josephus, who's one of the most trusted that we have of the biblical mm-hmm. historians, yep. uh, talks about this uh, very thing, too. And the fact that people trusted him so much that Hezekiah had to take that down because people were trusting in Solomon's wisdom and not asking God, you know, for help. And we all believe in doctors and medicine and those kind of things. But when we believe in that first, and apparently that's what was happening, was people were trusting him (laughs) over trusting what God would do for them. Yeah, since you brought that up, it's it's amazing. As you see people in the news where, well, they don't take their kid to the doctor because, well, I believe God's going to take care of it. And, and I mean, God, you know, and I believe that what I believe is that God gives wisdom to the doctors and gave man to the ability right. to study medicine, to, to do research these things and actually come up with ways to treat ailments. Right. So I don't believe we should neglect going to the doctor. Right. And, well, Luke was a doctor. Yeah. You know, I mean, he traveled with them and you can't tell me that when Paul got beaten, you know, I doubt that he sat there in this 
jail cell and said, Oh Lord, just heal yeah. me. You know, there was probably somebody to, to give him some right. relief, you know, yeah. for those things. I like one time I connected with a, a or knew a guy in our church that was a chiropractor and he kind of said it this way. I don't heal people. I just kind of help the body f- do what it's me- God created right. it to do. Right. Was his kind of take, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not really healing or doing anything. I'm just partner in a sense, partnering with God to position the body to do what it was meant to do to heal itself. I thought that was a good example. take too. We don't want to carry on and on with that, but I've used the example many times that there's people who say, I would never go to a doctor. I don't believe in the doctor, but they got fillings in their teeth Yeah, <laughs> and, and they wear glasses, you know, I mean, they're doing something to, you know, to facilitate God's healing. So right. anyway, um, 434 men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. And that's quite a contrast. Uh, I didn't watch it last night, but the Democratic debates were on, you know, and everybody's arguing about who knows what and who's got the best policy and and all of that. It It's an amazing thing in this time that there would be, we don't have it in our time, but in this time, there was a man who was so knowledgeable and so well-respected that it says people came from all over the world, you know, to hear what he had to say. And that, I mean, we just can't even comprehend that because there's nobody now that the kings from all the different countries just believe that he's the guy and he knows right. everything and, you know, he's got peace in his country, so we need to go and see, you know, how he does that and implement that. And We just don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so it is really a miraculous thing to read about Solomon's wisdom and how well he was respected by not just people who knew him well, but word got out. We were talking before about like how many likes or how many views you have. You know, <laughs> I guess Solomon would be yeah. uh, in our day would be that guy with the most views, you know, on Facebook or or the internet on on uh, YouTube or whatever. Right. Uh, and you, and you stated that Solomon asked God for wisdom. Right. Right. And so what's kind of interesting with that aspect is that is that. We could, anybody should be able to ask God for the right, wisdom, right? And and get and get the wisdom, right? If we seek God, you know, seek Him first, and seek Him in what mm-hmm. we want to do, what we need, to do, what we want, what we want to do, what He wants us to do, right? And seek God. I want to line up with you, mm-hmm. and then God will you know, give us that wisdom, right? Yeah, I think That's it's great the, point. the number one prayer. You know, in the Book of James, it says, "If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask." Right. You know, and that's. I think with wisdom, it solves all kinds of problems. You know, it solves medical mm-hmm. problems. It solves church problems. I mean, marriage problems. I mean, wisdom would be the key, I believe, to right. And to there's everything. a difference. There's a difference between wisdom and intelligence. Right. I mean, exactly. You know, intelligence. Like I know what the book says, but wisdom is like more like the the the, the right path, the common sense type approach. What wisdom? What is wisdom is the application of gotcha. intelligence. Gotcha. Right. In some senses, yeah. Right. 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 Okay, I've kind of lost my. Place that's my here. struggle with Rick is he, he knows everything, but right, yeah, that's that is a, <laughs> that is a real that is a real problem. Um, I have here we go. I'm sorry, I got things out of order here. I've lost my place. But, sorry, Rick. Um, yeah, Greg Walton, you're getting the Rick Maynard disheveled oh, here oh, today. I'm, I'm that's all, what that's what I brought you in to do today. Today, right, that was your right. job. Yeah, because really nobody, get him out of whack here. Nobody's see. ever been able to do that. <laughs> You know, so well, you ask my wife. I'm pretty good at that skill. Lord, just give Rick wisdom right now. No. Yes, give me wisdom to overcome these guys that are harassing me. So, okay, um, chapter five. 
First Kings chapter five. Uh, the, this is kind of a change, you know, if we'd have been starting on a new uh, spot, this would be a new part of the story. Uh, we just finished talking about all of Solomon's wisdom, and now it kind of takes a little uh, turn here. But it says, when Hiram, king of Tyre, heard that Solomon had been anointed king to succeed his father, uh, his father David, he sent envoys to Solomon because he had always been on friendly terms with uh, David. So whether he's coming to console uh, Solomon on the death or or whatever, but uh, it's a new king. Uh, he had been a friend of the old king, and the Tyrians uh, had never been at war with David, so uh, there had been uh, past good relations. And so, you know, Hiram, we can say, well, he's just, you know, kissing up <laughs> would be our, uh, you know, term for today. But he'd been on good terms, and he just wanted to continue that. And, and you know, probably Solomon. I mean, he was raised in David's house, so I'm sure Solomon uh, probably had met, you know, Hiram at some point, you know, maybe already knew him. But but he wants to make sure up front that there's good relations. And I have said that, uh, you know, many times in the church. I, I talked about the fact that, you know, growing up and and as a young man, really probably into my 30s maybe, late 30s, uh, I didn't know about honoring a pastor and honoring, you know, the position of the pastor. So, uh, you know, I was always judgmental about what he did and what he said and all of his, you know, mistakes and, uh, you know, like we hired you to do what we want you to do. That was <laughs> that was kind of the mentality. And and um, and some people still have that mentality. But I, I learned that if you will make that commitment up front and say, Pastor, I'm a supporter, but a lot of people want to wait until they see if they're going to like the guy, whether or not mm-hmm. they want to support, <laughs> you know. And so I think I think Hiram is doing the the right thing here. He comes to Solomon. He doesn't wait to see, okay, well, before I give him my support, you know, I'm going to see what kind of king he's going to be, what kind of man of God he is. he going to be as good as his dad? He could have waited and said, you know, I'm going to check this all out before I become a supporter. But he says up front, uh, you know, uh, I, we're going to work together. This is going to be a good uh, relationship here. Uh, verse 2, Solomon sent back this message to uh, Hiram. And so we got a message coming up. And back, again, this goes back to um, some of the archive. You know, when you read these things, it says, you know, this guy sent a letter. This guy wrote a letter. This guy did this. It, it, you know, you always think, wouldn't it be neat if you actually had that in your hand? I mean, if you could mm-hmm. hold in your hand the letter that was written by one of these famous, you know, it'd be kind of like in our, our world today, having something autographed by a movie star, uh-huh. but how much greater <laughs> to actually have in your possession. But uh, Josephus says they've actually found some of these letters between Hiram and, and uh, Solomon that they, they still exist. And I thought, you know, isn't it amazing? Because sometimes, you know, you read the Bible and I, and I always said this about when I went to Israel, I always believed the Bible. But when I went to Israel, it was like, man, it, it it's really true. Yeah, you know, this, Bethlehem is this really is a place. place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're seeing the Bible in front of your eyes. Yeah. You know, I mean, historical, you know. the Sea of Galilee, and you know all of those places. It just—I don't care what kind of believer you are—that just does something to you to actually walk. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know it's not the dirt laying there on the ground that Jesus stepped on, and I mean you can get over 
spiritual about things. Right. But it is the place. You know, you yeah. can stand there thinking Jesus may have stood right here right. looking out. And so it does make a difference, I think, when you when you read the Bible and you know, you can experience Israel or you can say, Man, they've they've actually got this letter someplace. Mm-hmm. You know, when they found things in the caves, you know, the scripture and, and things, it just makes it more um I hate to say more believable. I mean, I believe. Right. But I always said if you believe 75% and you went to Israel, you'd believe 100%. Mm. If you believed 100%, you'd believe 110%. If that's, you know, there's just something about about the knowledge that things really exist. Right. Because sometimes that's all you got when you're down in the dumps and and it just seems like God's not there. And, you know, you look out into the sky sometimes and you're like, Really, is there a God out there that cares about me? You know, little me. And but then when you look at the Word and and know, and there's things that back up that it really is God's Word. Yeah, this really is. And it. He did design. I I believe He designed faith to be accessible for everyone, mm-hmm. which is obviously true. But I'm just saying, like someone like myself tends to be more of an experiential type person. Mm-hmm. But He set up faith in him to be experienced mm-hmm. in in that type of way. But, you know, I always tell people who are more analytical because I'm not a highly analytical person, but but Jesus set things up so you can know mm-hmm. from an analytical point of view that right. he is God. He is real. His stories are true. There, there's evidence. There's facts. There's mm-hmm. there's books. There's record. Did you guys, I wasn't going to mention as you're talking through all this, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Have you right. ever seen that before? Right. Yeah. That came to Utah one time mm-hmm. where we got to see all the Dead Sea Scrolls, the actual manuscripts all of these right. actual artifacts that was really mind-blowing you're like mm-hmm. whoa this again this is real right proven material uh whether you believe it or not again mm-hmm. that's the issue of faith right. but to know that it is these documentation these stories are real deal right and years ago they found caiaphas's tomb and then they I reportedly found the remains of solomon gomorrah and is under brims you know they said right. there's evidence of brimstone and everything else are on the side so I mean, right. it just all lines up with what God's Word says. Right. I think we all need a little shot in the arm sometimes. You know, I, I think everybody has those moments of, especially if you're sick or you're struggling with something, mm-hmm. you just think, you know, where's God? Right. I mean, is is there a God sometimes? I think every one of us has, has struggled one time or another in our, in right. our Christian faith. Like, go to some hits his heart out, out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, God, where, you know? And, you know, I think it's just part of, you know, Living still, mm-hmm. still living in the flesh, you know, right? Being in that, you know, you're, st- you're saved, but you're still, you know, in your, in, you know, you have that that flesh and spirit struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Well, verse three, you know that because of the wars waged against my father David, this is this is the actual message that that we just referred to. You know that because of the wars waged against my father David, from all sides he could not build a temple for the name of the Lord his God until the Lord puts his enemies under his feet. Um, you know, Solomon is hes making a little bit of a mistake here. He's, he's a little bit misleading, and we can say, well, you know, maybe it was respect for his father that he didn't want to just, you know, say the absolute truth, so he kind of beat around the bush a little bit because that was not the reason that, uh, that David wasn't allowed to build the temple in other words, Solomon's saying, well, you know, uh, David would have done it, but he was just too busy. 
I mean, that's kind of what Solomon's trying to say here. He was, you know, he was built or out uh, fighting battles and stuff, and so uh, he was just too busy for all of this. But God had said it's because of the blood that David shed. There was just, and he wasn't being, um, that wasn't something against David because most of the blood that David shed was for God's glory, in other words, and because of God's leading, and he would ask, you know, should I go to this battle? And God would say, yes, go to that battle. So it wasn't as if God was reprimanding him by saying, um, well, you just killed too many people, so I'm not going to let you build the temple. It wasn't a punishment for him. It was saying, you are not the. You are a warrior. Uh, you, yes, you do what God says to do. But he was just saying, I, I don't, I'm not going to have you do it because of all the blood you shed. For whatever reason, God had more wisdom <laughs> than David or than Solomon or whoever. And so God, in his wisdom, said, David's not the man to build the temple. And he gave him the plan. And I know David could have been all upset and said, well, why would you even tell me this? And then you don't let me build the temple or, or whatever. But, you know, for all of us, uh, you know, I, I could say, uh, how come God didn't ever let me be a pastor? Right. Yeah. You know? And, you know, for whatever reason, he could say, you know, because of these, because of the, the man that I made you, I didn't make you to be a pastor. In other words, I made you to be something else. Mm-hmm. And so many of us try to do something that God didn't make us to be. Right. And not everybody can be a hand. Not everybody can mm-hmm. be a foot. You know, we, the God puts us where he wants us. Right. To be right. a complete body. Right. So, uh, you know, David may be um, not really, or, or Solomon here may not be lying necessarily, but I think he's softening the blow a little bit, that uh, being respectful. And uh, let me just read, this is out of Second Samuel 5.11. It says, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, along with cedar logs and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built a palace for David. So Hiram uh, is, he's kind of the, the general contractor of the day. You know, he's the guy that David used. They had a relationship, and now uh, it's time for Solomon. David wasn't building a temple. He was building his own palace. But Hiram is the guy who got the materials, got everything put together for David. And so uh, by reputation, I suppose, now Solomon says, Hiram's the guy that did this. Hiram's the guy we need for, uh, you know, and it doesn't, the thing about it here, I, I think, you know, and we can't be too light on asking for wisdom. I mean, we all, you know, I'm, I need to get up every day and say, Lord, you know, direct my paths and and things. But, you know, on the other side of that, I don't have to get up every day and say, what color socks would you like for me to wear today, God? I mean, you know, God gives us some things in our life to be able to function. And I'm not saying functioning without God, but I don't think he expects us to Pray, okay, you know, should I go this direction down the street or this direction? <laughs> or he gives us some some knowledge. So we don't have a record here that Solomon laid before the Lord trying to decide who to, you know, to contact about getting these logs and getting the building. You know, who should I go to Lowe's or Home Depot? <laughs> you know, there's some some knowledge and wisdom that God gives us to function in our daily life. Yeah. Right. And so, one of the things I, I believe, you know, having the wisdom to... God, give me the wisdom to hear your voice right. and to respond to, to your voice. Mm-hmm. Give me the wisdom to know what's your voice and what's like 
the world's voice or my, the flesh's voice help me to differentiate what voice I'm hearing. Right. And I want to be able to hear your voice, God. Give me the wisdom for that and right. to respond to that. Yep. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So I don't want to pray about every step. You know, I trust that God orders my steps as I go. Right. Not that I have to stop, take a step, stop, pray, ask God for take a step. You know, I mean, otherwise we'd be, which would be a good thing. I guess we'd be praying all day long. <laughs> that would be a good thing. But, um, uh, but anyway, um, and if you want to read in Chronicles, and we won't stop and, and go over there and read, but uh, if you're reading these stories and you just want all the information about any of the topics, when you read in Chronicles, it'll give a little more information about the cedar logs and all the different things that um, um, uh, that were involved here. So you can read more about some of these stories someplace else. But verse 4 says, But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side, and there is no adversary or disaster. And so uh, the King James says, No adversary or evil occurrent. So... This is, and, and if you look at the Hebrew side of that, it says, uh, none who oppose. And so Solomon is building this temple at a time, David, in other words, David was busy fighting wars. I mean, you know, in, in essence, Solomon was being truthful when he said David was just too busy. David was a man of war. Solomon's not a man of war. And so he's brought peace. There's peace on every side. That's what God was waiting for to build the temple so that it wouldn't be during a time of war. Maybe they had to go out and, and fight, and then they had to come back and work on the temple, and then they had to go fight, and they had to come back and work on the temple. And so and it, it's interesting, and I, I think, you know, I, I know people say, well, you're stretching things sometimes when you try to make the Bible speak for today. But isn't that what it's for? I mean, if, it, yes. if it's not speaking for today, <laughs> right. then it's just a history book. Mm-hmm. We're just reading the facts. Yes. But it's talking about there, it says he had peace on every side. And, and the way that this is worded, it it's talking about he had no attacks from the outside. In other words, he, was, um, uh, he, he wasn't fighting any battles against the Philistines and all these different people that David fought against. There was no battles going on like that. But the other side of that was he wasn't fighting any internal battles. David fought battles within his own household. I mean, Absalom and all of these, uh, you know, his own son who turned against him within his own household. And so sometimes we look around and say, well, man, it sure feels good to have, you know, peace outside of the home (laughs) or whatever. But in essence, it would be like you as a pastor talking about, man, it feels good. You know, the church is good and and we've got this unity, and things are awesome in the church, and things are really going great, and people are being saved, and there's peace in the church. We don't have all this turmoil and stuff. But then you go home and you're fighting with your wife. Yeah. You know, you have peace in one area of life, but not in all areas of your life. And so for Solomon here, it was not just that he wasn't fighting against the Philistines or whoever it may be. But he also had peace within it. His own sons weren't trying to take the kingdom from him. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as David, I mean, David fought a lot within his own house. Yeah. And uh, and wow. so Solomon That's has good. peace outside and inside. 
right? And being like I said, with David constantly fighting would take his focus off of right. off of even if God didn't you say build a temple, he, would he be able to focus? Right. Right. I mean, his focus has been diverted all different different places. Right. Well, I said, you know, I think one of the hardest things on a uh, a pastor and especially a new pastor is a building project. You know, to uh, to either come into a church that's in the middle of a building project or to come in as a new pastor and then all of a sudden, you know, we need to build a new sanctuary and a Christian education wing and for a pastor to remain focused and especially if you're a pastor, uh, you know, you like hands-on, and uh, Pastor Graham that was here before was a hands-on. He, uh, you know, I'm not saying he neglected his duties. I'm not saying you would neglect your duties as a pastor, but the temptation would be there because you love construction or whatever, and you love even whether you're actively involved, you just like being around when things are going on and watching Mm -hmm. the project go. Uh, So, uh, you know, building projects are hard on pastors i believe yeah and so for i saw a stat one time i was just talking about basically saying that pastors often resign after building projects and it was just alluding to that reality of how stressful and intense and a burden that additional burden that can bring on a pastor during those seasons and during those times right right so you got to be careful as you're walking through that right and it can be big projects and it can be small projects Mm -hmm. you know you can you can get a a week-long project in the church and all of a sudden you look around and it's like, man, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't visit the people I needed to. I didn't prepare my sermon like I needed. I mean, you know, it can, it can get involved. I, I mean, myself, I'm not the pastor of the church, so I don't have the responsibility of as many people, but I still pastor a Sunday school class in essence. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm teaching there. I have a responsibility to, to study. And, you know, I find myself sometimes with, uh, I mean, I do construction work. Uh, that's my job, and I find myself sometimes anxious to get to the construction site. There's something that needs to be done, right, something yeah. <laughs> that you know. It's it, and so it, I have to try to take my focus and say, I've got to get back to this. I can't neglect this for yeah. that, even though it's not a paid occupation to be a, a Sunday school teacher. We need to talk about that too. I've yep. been being talking to you about board the, agenda the, item, the pay. Yeah, put that on the agenda. The Pay for the Sunday school teachers. I'm making twice yep. what I used to, though. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're probably about done there. Hardest thing to so? do, I've always said as a pastor, is read my Bible and pray. That's my hardest, mm-hmm. most difficult part of my job. Yeah. Like, yeah. what? That should be your, e-. no, well, it's because you're busy, you're doing other mm-hmm. things, you got things going on, and man, that can be the, the simplest can be the hardest, the mm-hmm. most elementary can be the one often forgotten. Well, the most important thing is, is reading and praying if you're going to teach or preach. Uh, that's one of the most important things. So where do you think the devil's going to attack? Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Greg Walden, for hopping on the podcast here with us. We really appreciate that. Thank you guys for having me. Round of applause for Greg Walden. Check out The Voice in the Modern Wilderness. Check out Rave from the Man Cave. Search that. Great, great podcast, both of them. I think they're both awesome. And we're believing with you, Greg Walden. He's going to elevate you in the podcasting world. More and more and more and more. Thank you. And we're going to go ride our mountain bikes here in just a minute here, Rick Maynard. Uh, Not me. (laughs) (laughs) And Rick Maynard. Let's give it up for Rick Maynard back on season two. So we encourage you to dive in each and every week with us as we go through the verse by verse edition. Hop into First Kings, get in the word, whatever it might be. We want you to keep pursuing and seeking God, growing in encounters, but growing in truth in him. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. 